Hey, everybody. Welcome in. Thanks for joining us. This is James Adams alongside Skeeter Robinson. It is the Fantastics My Fantasy Fix DFS Golf Podcast as we get you ready for the Farmers Insurance Open here in late January 2020. And Skeeter, uh, another week where we'll have a course, I should say a tournament, where we have more than one course. This one, I think, will be a little easier, right? Because we'll have three rounds on one course, one round on another. So it'll be a little easier to dig into stats, but yet another weekend where it's not all four days on the same place. Yeah, um, it's annoying for me because I happen to follow a lot of it on the PGA Tour apps with Shot Tracker, not being able to know how, you know, how what's a you know, oh, golfer on the green. Well, what's where is he? Two feet away? Is he fifty feet away? So that's annoying. But that's at least one round and a very stark difference between Torrey Pines North and Torrey Pines South as far as the easiness and how and scoring ability um i really don't know what happened last year there were five under with the cut and that's very rare for this tournament it's usually around even one under so last year was a little bit of an anomaly but yeah it's a, a good field um toy pine south if you're familiar with it you've seen in the u.s opens you're probably familiar with the pond on 18 it's a par five golfers can go for two but tend to either lay up or you know, hard to get there. Tigers had a couple heroic shots back in the 2008 U.S. Open on that hole. So, overall, it's a fun, it's, it's a fun tournament because we get a pretty good field here. It's almost some people say it's when the season starts is at Torrey Pines. Yeah, and you're right about that. I mean, the field is definitely the best one I think we've seen so far. Uh, definitely in depth. I mean, obviously the Tournament of Champions had uh, great impact per player, but only 20 or 35 guys were there. So, definitely a nice deep field here and. Uh, I guess as before we look forward to the Farmers Insurance Open, we should look back like we do every week. The uh, the American Express. Um, I mean, what do we take from that? It's a you know three days of three different courses before you play the final uh, course, the final course in on Sunday for the second time. Um, the amateurs there. It's such a different animal than a typical PGA event. Do we take anything at all from last week? Uh, start playing Andrew Landry there every year. Um, all right. He was the one who lost in a playoff to Rom two years ago, and then just blitzes the field here, no form whatsoever, and just you know has a six shot was it four six shot lead I think at one point blows that and then birdie seventeen eighteen to win, absolutely great wedge shot on eighteen. Um, yeah, just I guess play Andrew Landry and play some of these uh, young guys like here we go Scotty Scheffler again like his fourth top ten of the season like. I think he was second on the uh, Corn Ferry Tour last year, but, boy, he is just coming on and playing really well, which, you know, I think he was probably the most heralded uh, guy to come off the Corn Ferry uh, from last year, but he's certainly uh, showing why. Anything from last week that we'll take into this week? I mean, uh, as we look at the top of that leaderboard, some of those guys in this field, but um, are they the impact guys? We're looking to keep it going, or... Do we just move on to uh, to Tory Pines here? Well, I mean, Abraham Answer, another one. He's he's going to win here soon. He's he's just been knocking at the door. He's he's due to get a win here eventually. Um, we might be in Seth Straka season. I don't know if this tournament is the one for him, but that's the name for next week because he can score quickly. Uh, Ricky, sixty five, sixty four, and he just had a horrible weekend. So that was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe another reason why sometimes you need to face some chalk, because we saw somebody like Ben Ahn, who just was, I mean, he was very popular. He was popular in the bets. 
he was bad. Molinari, you and I both commiserating about him. He was out, so... I'm sorry, I'm going to need a minute. Okay? All right, I'm ready again. I had, like, 70% Molinari last week. It was abysmal. Yeah, so, I mean, just, you know... I don't know, maybe, maybe with the thing with Molinari is we have to wait until he actually plays a tournament or two before he kind of gets going, because we've seen this a lot. We saw this last year as well. Um, I try, you know, I thought, oh, well, he's played this tournament before, first time out, it's been pretty good, but just didn't work. But um, I'll say that there's not much you can take from last week. I mean, when minus, was it minus seven, minus eight was the cut? So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's not a ton that you can take from it, so. Just, well, let's. Uh, Move Let's on. move on to the Farmers Insurance Open. Now, I would imagine, obviously, uh, we have a little bit more of an idea how to attack the field here with three of the four rounds being played on the south course, right? But at the same time, you still have a little bit of variance with uh, only half of your holes being on that side before the cut's made. How are you, What are I should say, what are you looking at statistically uh, to try and differentiate the field here as we get ready for the Farmers? Yeah, so for the most part, again, looking tee to green, um, finding fairways are a lot tougher to do here at Torrey Pines and other courses, and the rough tends to be a lot longer than other courses, so I think you will need some sort of accuracy. We've seen past winners kind of be bombers of the ball, too, so that's, you know, that I think will be important. Um, but outside of that, your greens are regulation. For, um, I, I'm going to wait bogey avoidance more than birdies are better, but I will take a look at that. Um, not surprisingly, most of the scoring is done in the par fives. There does seem to be a large range of shots that come from 200-plus yards, so I don't know if that's just from the par 5s, probably a couple long par 3s, even some of these longer par 4s that could have 200-yard out. So I'm looking at proximity from 200-plus, and, and of course scrambling. I mean, this is a major course. It's not set up for U.S. Open conditions, but you will still see some plenty of disaster scores, so being able to get up and down from, from the green side bunker, from the rough, maybe even if you miss the fairway, being able to get up and down I think will be important. So... Those are the things I'm looking at. And then one of the things I'm also looking at is how have players kind of done on the quote-unquote difficult courses that they've played in the past. So if you maybe tend to think of guys who play well at majors or maybe even something like the Honda, the Heritage, some of these events where maybe 10 to 12 under par can sometimes win a tournament, those would be stuff that, that's stuff that I'm going to look at. And then as far as weather, um, there was the year, what was it? Was it 2017? No, 2016. The final round, I don't know if you remember this or not, was like, they're playing like 35-mile-per-hour wins. Brant Snedeker goes out and shoots a 369, and he wins, whereas like the second-lowest score that day was 74, and I think the score average was like 79 or 80. So win can certainly play a factor here. It has before. So you might want to check that come Wednesday night just to see what wind is like and if there's an advantage, um, you know, prime try to play the better conditions at Torrey Pines North since that is the much easier of the two courses. All right, well, we will take a look at that as we get into it. To be honest with you, as we get into, like, Wednesday, we have a much better feel for that. So I assume that will be something we'll uh, we'll look for on the update, right? Yeah. And I, to be honest with you, you mentioned that Snedeker win, and it's, like, kind of stirring a memory. I wouldn't have come up with it, though, had you not. So I kind of vaguely remember that, though, of uh, a day there where he won and, like you said, everybody else was just uh, absolutely, uh, well, putting up numbers that I dream of, but um, I, mean, I won't get to. Here, give me a minute. I'm gonna, I can go find this. Uh, if 
final rounds, what the scores were. Um, All right, and as you're looking for that, we're about ready to get into the field here, right? So I will drop through the uh, the 10Ks and, and just, uh, just drop the names out while you look for that. But when we get into the field here in just a second, and we'll start at the 10K plus tier, and it's Rory McIlroy, 11-6, John Rahm, 11-3, Tiger Woods, 10-8, Justin Rose, 10-3. Xander Shoffley, 10-1. So, one, uh, you can see that we've returned to players we're used to seeing in the 10K-plus tier, and that speaks to the, the depth and strength of this field. But before we analyze that 10K tier, uh, what have you come up with there, Skeeter? Okay, so, yeah. So, if I look at round four that year, Snedeker shot 69. Robert Streb shot 72. Those were the only two players that year... Well, Snedeker was the only one under par. Streb was the only one under par. Um, like, I, I forget who was in the lead, but there were there was an 87 by Scott Brown that year. I think he might have been in some sort of contention that year. But that was just how wicked that weather was. I think Gary Woodland finished 18th, and he shot 82. Wow. Like, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was an insane, like, Dustin Johnson shot 80, um, Johnny Vegas 80, like, it was just, it was nuts. The wind was just howling. It might have been some rain, and it was just almost, like, borderline unplayable. Like, K.J. Choi finished the second. He shot 76, four over on the final round, whereas Snedeker shot, shoots a three under, wins by two. So, just just a crazy, uh, crazy 2017. I, actually, sorry, Snedeker won by one, so... Well, we will uh, we will certainly keep an eye on weather conditions like that. I don't think we will expect anything close to that again, though, right? I wouldn't think, but, I mean, at the same time of year, you just never know what storm sure. may be yeah. brewing off the Pacific. So That is very true. You don't. So All right, well, let's get into this tier. I busted out the, uh, the, the five guys in the top tier, the 10K+. Plus. It's a pretty strong group of names, big five right there. Skeeter, is there one in particular that stands out, your go-to guy here? Um, I'm actually going to take an approach you've had the past couple of weeks. Like, they're all good plays, so why not play the cheapest? And for me, it's Xander Shoffley at 10-1. Uh, yes, I'm fully realizing that he's only made one cut in four appearances here, but he did play He did play at San Diego State, I believe, for his college golf. But, he, but if we're talking about difficult course, guy who likes to show up for big events, Xander certainly fits the mold. Over the past 24 rounds, he's number one in my model. He's number one par five strokes gain. He's top 10 in everything, so Bogey avoids 11th. He's decent in proximity, 200-plus yards. The only thing that he has some struggle with is he's about middle range, 68th in fairways gain. But everything else seems to hit well. can make birdies, scramble, hits greens. So at 10-1, this kind of is an event where you want to have an elite golfer, but we've even seen like Rom a couple years ago got, got a big win here, Rose last year. There are some... I won't say first-timers, but there's some, maybe not super elites, but that just that next tier under that have won days, one here, Snedeker, Bubba. So that's where I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Xander at 10-1 for me, for my favorite play. I mean, obviously, this is a group of five golfers that I think all have are great golfers. So yes. I, honestly, like when we get to who I'm fading, it's going to be uh, like flip a coin style because I think it's five you can all play. But the one I have number one for me is John Rahm. Um, yeah. I could just simply say it's John Rahm because, and he's one of those players now, I think, where he's so elite that that's your, you could get away with just saying because, because John Rahm is that good. But let's, let's face it, he was on a tear at the end of last year, 
And then you look what he's done here, a fifth and a first and a 29th. Um, yeah, I'm paying up. He's the second highest guy in the price in the tier here at 11-3. But I kind of feel like right now John Rahm might be the best golfer in the world. Not, you know, world ranking. And obviously McElroy and some others have something to say about that. But I just kind of feel like he's playing the best golf in the world right now. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly fair. I mean, Slack only got 10th of the Tournament of Champions, but um, second greens of regulation, third in T to green. And again, a lot of these stats that we have for Rom does not include his Euro Tour stats where he's been playing he was, pretty well. So, yeah. But eighth in bogey points. So, yeah, no, he makes a lot of sense. In fact, I think all five in this tier make a lot of sense. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, like we were talking about secondary player fade, I mean, there's really nobody here where it's just like, oh, I must avoid them. Um, I think some will probably try to avoid Justin Rose, the defending champion, but he's got an impeccable history here the past three years. I believe all top tens won a year ago. Hasn't had the best uh, scrambling bogey avoidance the past 24 rounds, but still eighth in British or better. Still top 30 in tee to green, fairways gain, greens of regulation, and even par five strokes gain. So maybe all he needed was a break, but um, but no, I just, I, I assume Rose will be the lowest owned. I don't. This be interesting what people do with Rory, Robin, even Tiger after Tiger's pretty good fall. So, I don't know. Yeah, Rose would be my next play, and the reason would be probably twofold. Uh, the well, really threefold. The course history, um, the fact that I think his ownership will be very low, and he's the second to the cheapest. He's only two hundred more than Xander. So I think uh, I think I would expect him. Because he hasn't, he didn't play great last year. It wasn't a Rose 2019 that we expected, um, but he's still a cl- world-class golfer. So I'm assuming he'll be the lowest owned here. I would think so. Yeah, if I were to fade any golfer in particular, it would probably be Rory McIlroy, and the only reason would be very popular name. He is the highest-priced guy, and we haven't seen Rory in a while. So you put all that together, and I'll just say I have no. No doubt Rory McIlroy could win this. But when you look at all that, plus tournament history, um, he fifth last year. He's only played here once. I don't know how much that really matters. Um, but I'm just – the highest-priced guy hasn't been out in a while. I'll wait and see with him. Yeah, it's probably fair. I mean, the only narrative for Rory is if he wins this week, he's number one in the world. He surpasses Kepka. But, yeah, the fact we haven't really seen him since the DP World Championship, I guess, is a – reason at 11-6, but again, I'm not going to tell you that any of these five are bad plays. Like, I know there's so yep. many stories like, oh, this person looks a little overpriced. I think they got the pricing pretty well here. Yeah, I would agree with you. Is there anybody, so nobody in particular for you to uh, to hit there, anything else you want to hit with the uh, the 10K price? Well, it's funny how I think we've mentioned four of the five golfers, and the one we didn't mention was Tiger. Um, and he's, and he's, he's played really well of late, and he's won here a million times. Right, I mean, Play, he won the Zozo, was fourth at his own tournament, and that was after a kind of disappointing round one. So, I mean, I mean, you would assume the casuals will play, will use Tigers because they know the success now that there's no football. And I'm not sure many people are going to go play the Pro Bowl this week, uh, Slate. So, I hope them. not. You don't play that, do you? No. Okay, there's just, I mean, you want to talk about variants, dude. Golf is variant. How about the Pro Bowl? I think I threw in like a, a dollar showdown lineup last year only because there was like some mission that if you played all. 12 games, including the Pro Bowl, you got like a 2,000 crowns or something, so I think I threw in a dollar uh, Pro Bowl showdown just so I could get that. Uh, I'm going to end up playing a, a Pro Bowl 
lineup now. They don't have it this year. They released. Oh, good. Up. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, they they released nice enough to say, okay, you don't have to play the Pro Bowl. So thank goodness. But um, but yeah, but I think people will just do that, and you know, because Tigers in the field, it gets boosts. I mean, gets TV boosts. It even gets boosts at these prize pools. Like these contests are a little bigger this week than they have been recently. You'd think it's because Tigers in the field. Maybe because Rory and Rom are there too. Yeah, big field. So all right, I'm right there with you. Let's hit the nine uh, K tier then. Um. Again, a this is a this is a class field, and the 9K tier represents that as well. Hideki Matsuyama at 99, Ricky Fowler 97, Gary Woodland 95, Tony Finau 93, Patrick Reed 92, Sunjay M 91, and Jason Day 9K even. Skeeter, your favorite play out of I think a pretty heavy uh, 9K tier. It is, and if I have any guts, I actually use this guy as my one and done because everybody's saving him for next week at Phoenix. And that's going to be Hideki for me. Um, when we're talking about guys who play very well on difficult courses, Hideki usually is contending in a major. He's won at Firestone. He gains nearly a stroke and a half on the field on difficult courses. Um, 12th in the Sony, where he lost three half strokes putting, which is not anything atypical for Hideki. I mean, losing that many is, you know, maybe a little high, but he's usually used to lose strokes putting. Gained nearly six on approach. Had a pretty good fall, 11th at the WGC, 2nd at Zozo, 3rd at CJ Cup, even 16th at Shriners. Missed a safe way, but whatever. But even even last year, he ended pretty well, 3rd at the BMW, 9th at the Tour Championship. When I look at him statistically, 4th in greens of regulation, number 1, bogey avoidance, which I like. 5th, tee to green, also pretty good in birdies or better, scrambling and par 5 strokes gained. I, I worry that he might become the popular play here, especially if you're not playing somebody up in the 10K range and you just go, well, is there that much difference between Rose, Shoffley, and Hideki? I'm not sure. So, nope. But 9,900, he just fits so nicely and definitely in my consideration. Okay, here's the deal. Hideki is my number two in this tier. Okay. Um, but while we're on him, I'll just piggyback with this. He really feels like he is rounding into form the way you went back through uh, going back to October, the way he was playing, and then you know at the Sony Open in Hawaii, kind of said, "Hey, that's still the quality of golf I'm playing." Uh, so I think, dude, he's just 27. Last year felt a little disappointing, right? Because it was like, ah, you know, I'm not going to keep using Hideki anymore. He's really not in contention. He's not winning. Um, this could be this this could be like, all right, everybody got off the Hideki bandwagon a little bit, where this could be his year now. I don't know, you know, again, we'll see about ownership. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about everybody getting on his bandwagon about being a major winner this year, but could be. So I'll just add that to it. Um, but my favorite play, I'm going to go with Gary Woodland. Uh, the course history is very good. And uh, let's let's get that course history real quick while we're on it. Uh, ninth last year, 12th, 20th, 18th, 45th, 10th. So you're talking in the last six years, five top 20s. And uh, Gary Woodland obviously won his, his major championship last year. So you feel like he's as good, if not better, than where he was coming into this tournament last year, finishing ninth. And then look what he's done. Again, it goes back to October, but seventh at the Tournament of Champions, seventh at the Hero World Challenge. Okay, I get it. Those are small fields. They're maybe not as good as a seventh. Will be here this week, but fifth at Zozo, third at CJ Cup. You can't take away the fact that those are four consecutive top tens as well. So give me some Gary Woodland, my favorite play here. No, he's very consistent in the stats for the past 24 rounds. Um, he's he's my second play here as well. <laughs> we're we're flip flopping. I like that. Yeah. Um, 
didn't really do much at the tournament champ champions as far as, I mean, he actually gained strokes putting, which is always a little bit of a concern with Gary because he does have some putting issues. But again, yeah, going back to the fall, play, you know, played well there. I mean, we've seen him win on a major course in California before, Pebble Beach. So, mm -hmm. no, it, he does make sense. Um, just, I think I like Hideki more for 400, but if I can't find it, I have no problem going to Gary Woodland. Yeah, so those are my ones, too. I could easily go with them. Um, I kind of like Finau and Day in this range as well. Finau, uh, been playing all right. Day, the court history is great. I wonder where his ownership will come in. If I think it's going to be low, I could take a peek at him, too. But, I mean, I, it's the other two guys that are clear-cut one and two for me in this this year. I mean, for me, Day is going to be my fade. And I say this, I mean, we don't know where Jason Day is at. I mean, it's true. He didn't play all that great in the fall. Didn't, didn't really play all that great last year. But one of the things about Jason Day is just when, you know, you, you're just not sure about him, that's when he goes and wins a tournament. And he's played well here in the past, but I've I got to see something from him before I'm ready to go back there, and I understand the risk. He's, uh, I mean, he's looking, if it's people that are looking at statistics, analytics, he's got to be the lowest owned in this tier, right, based on how he's played? Uh, well, Patrick Reed will always be. Lower owner than he should be just because people don't like him and well, he does some things to help himself in that one. He does. I'm curious. I'm actually curious to see where Sungjae is going to fit in here. Like 9100 for Sungjae in this field feels a little pricey, especially some of these other guys in the eights. I would agree with you there. Um, yeah. So Dave's your fade. My fade is actually Ricky Fowler. Um, yeah. I ended up playing him last week after saying he was my fade. I played him in a couple of lineups. Uh, it you know it looked great early. Then the, he just didn't do anything Saturday, Sunday, and again, Ricky, I I'm a big fan, but I just feel like especially where he sits between Matsuyama and Woodland, like I'm using those two guys before him. So it's hard for me to imagine putting him even in one lineup this week. So again, this is, we're recording this Monday night, so this is very early. But right now, very early ownership on Fantasy National. Hideki is the most popular of wow. anybody. Rory's second. Um, R Ricky's actually the lowest owned in the 9K tier. Hmm. So it actually looks like most people are going to start with Hideki or higher. Uh, people are on Woodland. People are on Finau. No, it's not a surprise. But you mentioned how you like the 8K range. And we'll might as well transition to that. This yeah. almost seems like a semi-dead range this week, the 8K range. Really? I, so there are a couple names I really like in it. Uh, are we ready to move to that 8K range? Yes. All right, we'll go through them real quick here. Morikawa at 89, Scheffler 88, Cam Smith 87, Joaquin Neiman 86, Spieth 85, Brant Snedeker 84, Leishman 83, Matt Wolf 82, Billy Horschel 81, Ryan Palmer 8K even. I got some names I like, Skeeter Robinson, but I want to know first who your favorite play in the 8K tier is. Um, I'm going to go Mark Leishman. E300, he seems a tad underpriced in this field. Has a pretty good history here. A couple top 10s, a 20th, um... Has made five of six past six cuts at this event. Rates out very well in proximity from 200-plus yards, scrambling, and tee to green. I do worry about his ability to hit fairways. Maybe not the biggest birdie maker in the world, but, again, I'm not as concerned about that this week as I am some other stats. Um, gained set, nearly seven strokes on approach at Sony. Gained 4.7 at Safeway the last two events that we've had. His problem at Sony is he lost four strokes putting, which is... You know, he's, he's usually a better putter than that, so I can kind of forgive that one. So, E300, the guy with a decent course history, if there's any wind involved, we know he plays well in the wind. Pretty good, um, 
have been okay on difficult courses. I don't mind taking a chance on Leishman here at 8300. Feels a little underpriced. I'm always a Leishman guy. If nothing else, the man likes to cut his own grass. So I'm gonna. I'm always gonna like him. Is there why you like Louis as well? Uh, I didn't know that about Louis actually. Yeah, I think when Louis played a John Deere like five, six years ago, they gave him a tractor. Did he actually know how to drive it and drive away with it? Because oh, if yeah, he did... He has his own farm and does his own stuff back in South Africa, so... Well, I can respect that, then, if those calluses aren't all from practice swings. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's... I like Leishman. I, I, I mean, I, I enjoy using him in, in DFS as well. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, uh, I like him because he's uh, he likes to cut his own grass. He likes to walk around in his yard barefoot and feel it on his feet. Um, that's a little bit weird, but I like that, so... Um, he's not my favorite play. He is a player I will use this week, though. Uh, my favorite play, I'm going to do something I don't often do, and that's use somebody coming off of a win. But Cam Smith coming off the win at Sony, he was my favorite play in that tier then. At 87, he's my favorite play again. I'm telling you, he's one of those internationals that I think could be a major champion here. Maybe not this year, but coming up soon. Um, it was his first PGA singles win. He had won uh, at the Zurich with a partner before he's won the PGA of Australia twice. So I worry a little bit about him coming off that first solo PGA win, but I just think he's a stud golfer ninth here last year, 20th here the year before. So some good recent course history and he's been playing really well. I mean, obviously I just said he's coming off of the win there, but I liked him coming into last week for a reason uh, in December it, uh, or I'm sorry, going back to October Third at the CJ Cup, 13th at Shriners. Yeah, I'm, I'm skipping the 60th at HSBC. But, uh, yeah, you give me that. And, like I said, he's uh, a two-time Australian PGA champion as well. I like Cam Smith, my favorite player in this tier. Uh, interesting. Uh, second birdies are better, 15th and bogey avoidance. So that could be a good combination here. Um, does, he's finding all the other stats. A little issue hitting fairways. But, um, yeah, outside of that, um, he, he's very – he he's a consistent boomer bust. Like, when I say that, like, he's not afraid to finish T-60th. I'm all right with that. He's not Siwoo Kim, who is either going to be top five or bottom five of a tournament. He's a little more consistent than that. But um, he's not on my radar. Like, I, I'd just rather pay 100 more for Scotty Scheffler. Again, four top tens already. The only reason I'm probably a little concerned with Scheffler is I don't know if he's really faced a PGA Tour course, you know, this tough since, you know, graduating from the Corn Ferry. But, um. I think for me, I'd go Scheffler. My second play this tier, and again, early ownership. Uh, I, if he's chalky, no thank you. I'm not. I'm not participating in Ryan Palmer chalk week. But he's played here twice. He lost that playoff a couple of years ago. The 13th last year. He's actually been playing pretty well recently. Rates well. Birdies are better. Par five strokes gain and fairways gain. A little bit of a concern with him as far as proximity from 200 plus yards, but. He gained, I mean, he's gaining on approach almost every tournament. He gained five and a half at the Sony where he finished fourth. 17th at tournament champions, 10th at Zozo, and 12th at CJ Cup. 8000 is a pretty good price for Ryan Palmer, the fact he's playing well. But again, I do concern, I am concerned that if he's going to get popular, he's not a guy that I really want to play when he's, when he's chalk. I'm going to tell you that you just mentioned the two other guys I really like in this tier. Um, and when I, No, no, it's all good. That's, that's all good. Um, and I'm going to participate in Ryan Palmer Chalk Week because I had him number two in this tier, and you just went through reasons why. And I had Scotty Scheffler number three, and I'm going to tell you that I had those three left to rank in this tier, and I wasn't sure where to go. I went Cam Smith because I'm kind of on his bandwagon now. I'm kind of a fan. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could have easily had Smith third behind Palmer and Scheffler. I love all three this week. Um, so uh, you mentioned both of them. I like those guys. I actually have just put in a lineup that starts Scheffler, Smith, Snedeker, Leishman, Palmer. And that leaves me 7,800 for a guy I do like in the, in the seven Ks that we'll get to. But I think this is a lineup I'm about ready to submit. You know, I like to play about 10. So it's not going to be my only lineup. But uh, I, I like this tier a lot. And I think you can do some things just like that with it. Yeah, nobody's going to start their lineup in the eights. Um, as I said, it almost feels like kind of a dead range. So, so you're getting a lot of talent there. Um, it's one way to be unique and hope that, you know, everybody is starting off with these 10K guys and maybe try to fit in one of the 9K guys that they just, the other 6, 6 7K guys just don't do much. So always a viable strategy, I think. In this range, we got 10 golfers. Is there one that stands out? As a golfer, you will not use somebody you're absolutely fading. I mean, how long have we been doing this podcast? A year now? Yeah. Has Jordan Spieth done anything in the past year? Uh-uh. So, again, until I see it. I mean, 8500 they're at least going to tempt you a little bit talent because it's talent's greater than the price. But, you know, maybe maybe this, uh, this whole offseason is finally, he's got some things cleared up. But until I see it, Spieth's my fade. And he's mine, too. Um, but just to add some differences here, uh, I'm going to ask you about a guy that I think we enjoy playing a little bit, a guy who you have a swing very similar to, and that's Matthew Wolf, a guy I was on but I don't like in this tier right now this week anyway. Obviously, early in his career, you know, you're not going to find a lot of course history out there. But, you know, the Tournament of Champions, he was 11th. That's good, not great. Uh, 61st last week at the American Express. I'm just wondering what the 74th at the CJ Cup a 13th at Zozo, so it's been up and down, right? But is uh, is Matthew Wolf? Does he deserve to be in this tier? Um, because I mean, I, I look at a guy like Palmer or a guy like Leishman, I just like a lot better right now. He probably does, but he he was close to be my fade. Or, or okay. Thought. Yeah, just not playing well, not hitting greens, not doesn't scramble very well, not hitting fairways. And that's just a bad combination at Torrey Pines. So he might just be going through your typical you know, win early on and kind of maybe get, I won't say get too comfortable, but, you know, have to adjust to getting a little more attention on you each week. And, you know, it's, he, he won't be the first player, won't be the last. But, uh, no. but yeah, it just, just doesn't, doesn't feel like the spot. And I wonder how this field, right, because he was 18th at Shriners, but it wasn't a field like this. Uh, even Zozo didn't have a field, you know, this yeah, strong. Zozo was a pretty good field. It was a good field. I mean, it was. But and he finished 13th, so no, no, uh, no real shade there. But I just wonder, you know, well, him more Kawatu if these if this field doesn't just get uh, a little bigger than what they were they were um, doing well with in, in the in the late summer and fall. Right, but I mean, but that's I think part of the thing that we want to see this year is okay for the for the Morikawa for the for the Wolf and eventually Hovland, who I think is still overseas playing some premier events. Like, how, how do they do? Like, it kind of took Neiman a year or two. Rom, it was kind of similar. I think he won pretty early, but then it took him a little while to adjust to the pressure. I think that's what we want to see out of these next three is, you know, here's this this brand-new young talent. What what happens with him? Are we ready to go to the 7Ks? Yes, and I think we might be spending some time in this range. There's some interesting names, no doubt about it. Again, in a field like this, 
you're going to have some big names. you got some major champs in this, uh, this area. There's a whole host of golfers. So we won't name every single one of them, but we'll just start there at the, uh, at the beginning, Skeeter, with you and ask your favorite in this 7K tier. You know, I mentioned him last week, and I did play him, and he, he turned around again and had, had finished fourth. Um, and it has a decent little history here, so maybe after all the, maybe after, his, I think he got in an accident a year or two ago, had to recover from that, but maybe it's time to jump back on Bud Cauley, 7,600. Uh, rates eighth in my model. In fact, he's top 50 in every single stat except proximity for 200 plus. He's slightly below average there, but fifth in bogey avoidance, 11th in scrambling, 15th in greens in regulation. 13th par 5 strokes game. I love seeing that. 34th tee to green. That's not bad because some of those stats, again, over the past 24 rounds include, you know, some of those struggles as he was coming back off injury. Um, had, a, had a decent fall, even a decent end of last season. 9th at Houston. Did miss the Sony, but he missed on the number. 4th last week. Like, he's just gaining strokes consistently on approach. I, I kind of like the way he's playing right now at 7,600. Um, rated very highly in my model. So, for me, Bud Cauley is going to be my favorite play in this tier. He is right there, up there with me as well. I mean, uh, in, you know, 13th and a 25th, the last two, two of the last four times out here. So, I like Cauley quite a lot. Um, I guess I'm going to go kind of chalky and kind of obvious here with my favorite in this tier. Bubba Watson. I mean, you're giving me a major champ at 7,500. And... Is Bubba Watson playing great golf right now? No. But what does Bubba Watson do? He plays good where he plays good. Bubba Watson has won here. Now, granted, it's been, what, five years since he's played here? But he won in 2011. He came in 13th in 2012. And in 2014, he came in 23rd. So, yeah, it's been a while. But this is a track where Bubba's done well. They're not going to have it in U.S. condition of U.S. open conditions. Because if they did, I wouldn't like Bubba Watson in that kind of condition. But you said, uh, give me a bomber. Give me a bomber. Give me Bubba Watson. By the way, can you, ma- can you imagine three three guys in the 7K range? Molinari, Phil, and Bubba. Uh, even a year ago, no. Right? I mean, Molinari and Phil would have both been ranked a, a, a lot pricier a year ago. I mean, Phil's going to be tough when he didn't even play well at the American Express last week at tournament. He's played well, but... No, you're right on Bubba. If he's won, if he's won a tournament, you you can always go back there, and I and I know you understand it, understand this, and I think some of, some of our listeners do as well. Just be ready for him to completely implode oh, yeah. on Thursday afternoon in the back nine or whatever. But yeah, um, certainly a lot of upside for the seventy five hundred dollar price. If you don't go with Bud Colley. And obviously, you can play a couple of guys in this tier. But if if you were going to go elsewhere, where else would you go in the seven Ks? Um, another guy that I kind of got off of last week at the end. He was he was one of my last decisions made. Uh, Russell Knox at seventy six hundred continues to rate well. Bogey avoidance, scrambling, greens of regulation. Not the he's got okay history here. Nothing great. Does have a tenth made the past two cuts, but. He's playing pretty well recently, uh, gained strokes and approach all over the place, gained 5.9 at Sony, gained a few last week, just the putter and off the tee is a little bit of a concern, but I think the off the tee is more distance related, and I realize that does hurt him here, but he's, I mean, he's been solid since, you know, the Greenbrier, a bunch of top 20, or top 30 finishes, no real bad finishes, 7,600, I, I can take a little bit of safety there, so... 
I don't mind him. I have some other names, but I'll let you, if you have a secondary play, go there. I I do. I mean, obviously, in the 7K tier, there's going to be more than two guys that we both like. There's just a lot of names here. But I, uh, so I mentioned before, I just said a lineup. I started with those eight, three, five guys in the 8K tier. That left me 78, 78K. I went Cam Champ, 7,800, I should say. I went Cameron Champ for that final spot. Uh, here's a guy that I'm kind of becoming enamored with a little bit. And uh, he's playing well, making cuts. Uh, hasn't missed a cut since the uh, Shriners in October, and he won the previous event, the Safeway. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always going to give a guy uh, a, a pass on that. But he's played here once, and he didn't make the cut. So that's not great course history, something I generally kind of like to have a little bit on my side. But I like the way Cam Champ's playing. He can bomb the ball. I'll take him here today as my other play. I worry about his ability to hit fairways and scrambling. Sure. He's kind of mediocre. He does make a lot of bogeys. I think I played him in one of the showdown slates on Saturday. Like, cause I think he had like 15 birdies after two rounds. We had like six bogeys. Like, so he is one who certainly can score, but I just don't know. You know, that's the only thing I worry about him. Distance-wise, should be a major plus for him here. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the other names you got there for us, Skeeter? Um, oh, boy. Uh, Pat Perez at 7K, traditionally yep. well in tougher courses. I think he's been, you know, I can play Pat Perez in California, a pretty good pull-up putter. And then three guys, two guys I don't know if I've ever played. One guy, boy, every time I like him when he does something. Uh, Keegan Bradley sticks out. It's another difficult player type of course. Mm-hmm. Probably similar to Bubba, just, you know, if you're playing, you just better be under, ready for him to tank and just be gone. But, um. You know, at some point, I have to stop denying these next two guys. Harris English, um, number one greens regulation, fourth in bo- bogey avoidance, has been playing well. I believe he's got a pretty good history here as well. Yeah, second, eighth, 14, 31st. At some point, I just have to realize that he's playing pretty well. He might as well jump on. 7400 is a very cheap price. And I'll let you mention a couple other names because I feel like I might be stealing one of your guys. So well, I'm with you on Keegan, and I've been avoiding Keegs lately, but... Uh, one thing I didn't hear you say, the course history was 35th last year, but 5th the year before, 4th the year before that, a couple top 25s as well. Uh, so I like him. Um, obviously, I mean, my guy's co-crack, Roy Sabatini, I will play. Uh, Going to maybe give Sabatini a little bit of a pass last week. He had been playing okay. but I don't. He's love actually my other guy here. Okay, I don't love those guys the way I normally do. Um other names, you mentioned Harris English and the Pat Perez. Those are two guys that I was also uh, very interested in here. Um, Lanto Griffin, I think, one that I didn't hear you mention that I'm certainly uh, willing to go to as well here. Uh, can you find a fairway? Can you find a green? If he does, he'll be in contention because he can putt lights out. And he, he scrambles. He does everything else well, but his fairways game, greens and regulation, not great. But very good tee to green. What about, uh, you said you like Sabatini. I'd like to get your... Your reasonings on him, and uh, Gooch was another one. Taylor Gooch was a guy I thought that uh, kind of stood out a little bit to me, too. Yeah, he was, what, third here last year? I don't know. Yes, he was. Um, yeah, he was. So, Sabatini's made four of his past five cuts, three of them being top 25s. He just con- continues to play consistently. Um, let me pull him up here. Eighth in that proximity from 200-plus yards, 26 in par-5 strokes game, 14th in greens regulation. He's either average or slightly above average in every other category over the past 24 rounds. Like, he's playing well. 7,200 for a guy who's in good form, you know, that's a pretty good price with a decent course history. That combination combined, I can see myself ending up on him in some, you know, way, way I build this week. 
What about Emiliano Grillo? Can you give me a reason to, to – I want to play him. He finished 12th here two years ago, and he's been playing decent. He's 7,800. Third in greens and regulation, fourth in fairways gain, 133rd scrambling. So he better hit greens, and then even when he does, can he make a putt? And that's always an issue with Grillo. So I suspect he'll be somewhat used just because the stat models will love him. I just – I don't know what – I never know what to do with Grillo. Fair enough. Um, anybody else in this tier you want to pump up before we talk about a fame? I don't think so. I'm, I'm, I'm not on my guy, Tringali, even though he's 7,100 again. Yeah, I did but, not like him. Glover is one of my usual suspects. I did not like this week uh, here either. Yeah, and even for Kelly, who I can kind of be on a little bit. Johnny Vegas, who I usually like, not on him either. So, no, no nobody else. Maybe Denny McCarthy, just because he can avoid bogeys and make birdies, but... I don't know. I know who I'm fading in this tier big time. I am too. Same guy? Is it? Is it the 7,900 Francesco Molinari? Oh, no. No. I mean, heck, I played 9,200 for him last week. Now you're giving him under 8K? I Neither one of us have mentioned him yet, though. I, I'm not actively playing him, but, you know, he's in. He's at least in consideration for me. Right now, again, very early on a Monday night, He's 3.5% owned. If I see Molinari at 3.5% owned Wednesday night, you better believe I'm playing him. So I wrote him down because I know that when I start to set lineups, I'm going to look at that, and there's no way I'm going to be able to avoid paying 79. I'm going to put him in a lineup or two. But is it – I mean, I feel like mentally if the name wasn't there and I look at what's going on, and you know what, he was decent enough uh, before missing the cut there um, in October and September, but he wasn't great, and – I just feel like he's in timeout for me a little bit. What did, what was his numbers last week? I want to see something on him. So Molinari last week, eight birdies, six bogeys, one double. Mm. On that and course, not, not, not great, great course history here either. I mean, he has a 14th, but, you know, a miscut no. in the 45th. Yeah, it, it's mainly name greater than the price type of thing. But, no, my fate here is Phil. Um, okay. Just not playing well. I, I know he's a local San Diego resident, but we just didn't see a whole lot out of him last week. Um, <laughs> nine birdies, which for him is low. Just didn't get anything going. And I don't know. It's just I. This doesn't seem like a Phil track any, at this point in his career. Um, I'm off Phil as well. I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, he's won it multiple times, but uh, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, recent history too. Just a lot of missed cuts in there, and plus the thing with Phil is. He's not known for his driving accuracy. You're going to have to be somewhat accurate here. He can scramble. I, I'll, I'll give you that, but I just... At this point, he's just going to bomb everything away, and he's just not accurate enough that I can rely on him. Anything else? Are we ready to take it to the final tier at 6K? Yeah, let's take it to 6K. Not, I, do huh? not like, I do not like this tier. All right. Is there anybody that you will play in the 6K tier? I do have a few names. I mean, I have a couple names, but I mean, I'm going to try everything to do to stop my lineups at Pat Perez at 7K, and I have to go down here. But if okay. I'm if I'm going to go down here, I'm going to go with a defending champion, Scott, or not the defending, but a defending champ, Scott Stallings at 6,900. Has a win, has a second, uh, has a decent, he's an okay history. Um, has made six of eight cuts in the fall swing, so. That I can rely on a little bit. Can hit the ball pretty far. Pretty good at bogey avoidance and proximity. 
just doesn't make a ton of birdies and does not hit a lot of fairways, which is a concern, but I guess he's my quote-unquote favorite play, but that's a loose term for me. Well, I haven't done it every time, but you're going to give me Charlie Hoffman at 6,600. <laughs> I'm going to turn to him. My man finished 9 under last week, T61. Uh, I, at 6,600, all I need him to do is make the cut. He is a SoCal guy. That certainly helps uh, the cause here. Um, his course history is okay. He had basically it's it's kind of what you think of Charlie Hoffman. He finished seventh here in 2014. He's obviously older in his career. He's missed a few cuts since, and you know basically has been in the 30s, 40s, 50s. But you're going to give me Charlie Hoffman at 6600 in a, and I will agree in a tier of 6K guys where besides Stallings, who I definitely like, but I don't want to pick the same guy you did. Uh, he stands out a little bit to me, and this is a special week to be playing Charlie Hoffman as I hold in my hands a signed Charlie Hoffman sign of the Times uh, golf card that my good friend Skeeter Robinson sent me, uh, an upper deck Charlie Hoffman signed card with, I might add, the long flowing locks, not the new short Charlie Hoffman haircut. So, by the way, thank you very much, my friend. Oh, no problem. By the way, if you want to know something, um, I paid more for that than I did the Justin Rose auto card, so. Makes sense. <laughs> Wouldn't you rather have a Charlie Hoffman autograph? I think, well, I think I only paid a dollar or two more for uh, Patrick Cantley, too, so, I mean, you know, Char Charlie commands some big prices, apparently. And yeah, look at that Masters history. We'll be looking at that in just a couple of months. But he's gonna, he's gonna um, get there first. You're right. He might not get there this year. Uh, anything else in the six K tier that does anything for you? The only other guy that I even put a star by, and it's only because of course history and the price. Sixty one hundred John Ha. I mean, dude, he is close to my favorite play in this tier. I am going to use him. I mean. You want to, if you want to try to jam in two of the ten k plus guys, or if you want to try if you want to try to go unique and play Rory and Rom or Rory Tiger Rom Tiger, John Hunt does at least open up a little bit of salary. And when you look at his tournament history here, he's made seven of his past eight cuts, two top tens, had a twenty fifth last year. It is a pure course history play because I don't think he's in very good form. But hold on, no, I are, I will argue that that he has made three cuts in a row, and if you're talking 6100, I'll give I'll give me a 48th at the American Express, a 55th at Houston, and a 48th at the Shriners. I will take that 55th and run to the bank if he's at 6100. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I I mean I I was going to ask. I had to go Charlie, right? I had to here, but this feels like a gross misprice to me. I mean. He should be sixty-seven or sixty-eight hundred with the the last three tournaments plus the tr the course history. I mean, you just nothing statistically rates out well. From typically, they're gonna put people in this field to sixty-seven, sixty-eight hundred that have at least had some top tens recently, or have won, or have won in the past. So, I mean, I I mean, yes, I'm surprised he's not you know maybe sixty-three, sixty-four because DraftKings does factor in the course history, but um. I won't say he's a gross misprice. I think there's a lot of risk on him, but there's a couple of things that are going his way that I certainly think if you want to punt with him. And by the way, I might actually be playing more than one lineup this week. I might I might go back to experimenting with that. If I decide Ooh. just to go complete stars and scrubs, he will be one of the guys I use. Yeah, I feel like he's got to be in there. So you mentioned him. I, I definitely was going to go there if you didn't right there. 
Uh, right at the top of the 6K tier, a guy that I had to take a peek at is Tom Hogue. I mean, uh, I'm not going to suggest that I'm like the biggest fan or I can tell you he's the greatest golfer, but how about this? 12th at the Sony Open, 6th at the American Express. I mean, there's those last two tournaments. is a 6th and a 12th and some decent, decent fields. At 6,900, you got to be interested in Hogue, right? And, and where was he at in the tournament history? He finished 12th here two years ago. Here, Tom Hoagie's course history here is, is a perfect summation of him. He, <laughs> I mean, he literally is another one. It's either top 20 or missing the cut in glorious fashion. I mean, he is very up or down, but always has that upside. So I get it if you want to go there, especially coming off two good tournaments. And he does have a tendency when he plays well, you can ride him for a little bit. But, um, no, I mean, I looked at, like, Varner the third, Stanley, but I just don't trust him. Sun Kang. Michael Thompson's another one who has good course history, but his form is just not good. Um, yeah, Kang I was going to ask you about. Uh, Varner probably is my fate, actually, because he's not playing too good and there's no course history here for him. Yeah. Um, what about Straka, Ortiz? Seb Straka, Carlos Ortiz were two guys I was kind of interested in. Yeah, Ortiz, just, I, when I look at how he does on difficult courses, not great. and He's another one not good from 200-plus yards, not very good hitting fairways. Sepp Straka is more of a guy that you want to play. Well, maybe not. He's 13 in bogey points. I always feel like Sepp Straka is a guy you want to play on a minus 15, minus 20 winning score. Not necessarily this, but he does well, work out decently well scrambling and bogey avoidance. So. To your point, he, he was fourth at the American Express last week. Right. So I, I think he'll get a little bit of attention just because of that. He'll rate decently the stat, stat models. Okay. Those were the only other names I had written down, so I figured I would at least ask about them while the we finish up this one, and I wish I knew a little bit more about him at 6,600, not Charlie Hoffman, not Chesson Hadley, but Matthew Neesmith rates out pretty well as far as hitting fairways, greens regulation, scrambling, but yeah, he's 114 degree, and that's weird. Uh, 12th in bogey avoidance, 20th in birdies are better, so he hit some stat models, but I just didn't see anything in the form that made me want to dig into him even deeper. I mean, he's been playing pretty decent as of late. 17th last week at American Express, 32nd at Sony, 14th at the RSM, 48th at Mayakoba. I mean, that's only going back into November. So those last four finishes are certainly worthy of a $6,600 price tag. Or maybe it's when I was looking at difficult courses. I think that right. might have been where I saw something like, oh, okay. Or or maybe he just hasn't played. Maybe it's like uh, Scheffler a little bit coming from the Cord Ferry Tour where let's see how you do on one of these really elite, tough tracks. So maybe you know, that's just my concern there. I did lie to you. There was one other guy. I didn't write him down, but I, I will ask you about him just because uh, I'm a bit of a fan. Plus, he's made four cuts in a row. Max Homa, uh, 48th last week at the American Express. He's 6,500. I'd take a 48th this week. Yeah, does not rate out very well in any of the statistical things, except approximately for 200 plus. Okay. He won... He won, um, oh gosh. Quill I forget Holiday, what he won. He? Maybe. I know he won last year, but I honestly don't remember where it was. Yeah, he won Wells Fargo. Which, by the way, that's a, that, that is a tough course, too. That is one, you know, they've hosted a PGA Championship there, so. Hmm, 37th of Memorial, which is a tougher course. He's 30th of the Northern Trust. Hmm. What's he on difficult course? He's still losing strokes to difficult courses. Hmm. That's gonna have to write that name down now. I'm gonna have to put a star by that one. I might have to dig into that one a little bit more. All right. Well, I look forward to uh, learning what you discover. Um, anything else in the six K tier we want to hit? No, I don't think so. I mean, there's some, 
there's some flyers if you really want to. There's a ton of golfers at an at at six K even too. I mean, there's there is a ton of golfers in this six oh. K field this week. I didn't know Jamie Lovemark was back. He's been out for a while, and he he'd been pretty good in the past. Oh. Are you turning that way? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why at six K. Um, yeah, I mean, six K. I mean, there's some names. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, because there were so many, I thought, man, maybe we'll find some. That's where I find John Hun. Thought, all right, there's my, there's my like cheap play. But, um, all right, any, uh, I said I would fade Harold Varner the third. I'm not sure if you want to pick one here or not. Um, there's another guy picked a fade that has, uh, has, has been on a terror, a terrible run lately, and that would be uh, JB Holmes as well. Yeah. Good history here, but um. I know, but not this week, right? Um, what if I told you the number one guy in this over the last twenty four rounds in fairways gained is six k, but I have zero interest in him. Uh, I would say what's the name? Because if you know, if I'm setting ten lineups, I'll give give me one of them. Former PGA Tour winner Satoshi Kadaira. He was actually okay. So like, I did legit look through all these names because I was looking it down at six k and finding some guys that. You know, just kind of go through them real quick, and like a find a Ryan Gibson who's made seven of ten cuts. You know, I was looking for that kind of uh, that kind of a you know just flyer down here. And Katira was a name I actually considered, but did not write down. Yeah, number one affair was gained terrible everything else. So this has not found that form. Um, yeah, there's nobody else really down here that I really want to go to. All right. Um, well. As we uh, get into the season now, Skeeter, we'll talk a little one and done right quick before we put a bow on it. Uh, there's some firepower up here at the top of the leaderboard. Is this a week where you're going to go to that firepower? You're going to try and find somebody a little bit lower in the tiers uh, and save the biggest of big names for later. I think this is one you can use a big name. Um, as I said, if I have any guts, I go Hideki just because I think everybody's going to save him next week for. Phoenix, the Hideki Matsuyama Open. Um, you know, maybe Xander. People are off of him because of the course history. I could, I could see myself going there. Like those are the first two names that have kind of popped as guys that I might consider. Um, Any chance Jason Day would be in your consideration? No, no, not until I see a little more form. Maybe I go Woodland. I could, I could actually even see myself going Tiger. And the reason I could go Tiger is I think you. You want to use him before he wears out a little bit come, like, June, July. That's fair. So maybe I go there. I don't know. I mean, so I would say Tiger, Shoffley, Hideki, and Woodland are kind of the four that I'm looking at. That's fair. That unless is fair. I, unless I go completely off the board, because I, before I did any research, my thought was, you know who I should play because he burned people last week is Ricky. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be turning to Ricky here. His course history is not very good, our tournament history. And, no. again, I, I feel like we talked about this last year, too, with him being, you know, a sponsor for Farmers. Does yep. does the excess of what else you have to do get in the way of just being a pro professional golfer this week? Yeah, and I think we've even seen him with him at Quicken Loans before, another one of the sponsors. I think he struggled there, too. And, yeah, you just wonder that the tournament hosting dues, for whatever reason, just kind of bothers him a little bit, so... Dude, in the last six years, Ricky's best finish here is 61st. Yeah. Well, that's what I said. If, if I'm going to go somewhere, nobody's going to go. But I'm not sure, you know, after after a T-59 for um, Neiman at Sony and a miscut for Molinar, I'm not sure two tournaments in if I'm ready just to start completely 
Prairie <laughs> darts. I mean, I would not yet. Yeah, that's not what June. Yes, but so uh, anything else before we uh, put a bow on the Farmers Insurance Open this week? I don't think so. Uh, my Wednesday update will be short because this is one of my Wednesdays where I'm kind of busy, so I don't know how much I will. You know, it might be a short uh, Wednesday update, but I'll certainly look at weather and ownership. Those two are really constants. Um, as far as the Super Bowl showdown, which I won't be able to call Super Bowl because, you know, trademark purposes, I, I my goal is to try to get something up by the by Saturday, depending, I'm assuming, I don't know when DraftKings is going to release prices for that, but that is something I'm going to try to do. But then after that, um, my fantasy fix just basically turns into a golf website, and t- you know, until... Until football season, I think you know, there might be, there might be something baseball coming. I know I don't know yet, but um. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have some some baseball chatter as obviously the uh, the the Sirius XM show has transitioned. But uh, um, yeah, are you going to do any kind of showdown article on the Pro Bowl? No. Okay, and, and I'm I'm uh, I'm not sure how I would feel about you if you said yes. I mean, if somebody wants me to do a showdown article on the Pro Bowl, I'm going to say, um, no, I'm sorry, there's no way I can help it. I don't usually get DVOAs. I don't, you know, let's just, no. Just, um, I don't know, pick six names out of a hat and hope you get the right one. I don't know. Exactly, right? The, uh, the playing time is so skewed there. So, uh, all right, cool. Well, I look forward to, obviously, this week. Uh, you're going to have to get your lineups in a little bit earlier on a Saturday, or a Saturday, excuse me, on a uh, Thursday morning, too, because we're now back in the contiguous 48, right? Well, we were last week, too. Um, oh, that's fair. That's right. But I think, well, but last, well, yeah, this one might be a little bit earlier just because not everybody's going to tee off within two hours. I think there, I think there'll be a morning and afternoon. I don't remember, though. But, yeah, you still have a little bit of time. That's when we, when we transition from California to Florida. That's the... Oh, it's seven AM Eastern we have or six thirty AM Eastern there's like three thirty mm-hmm. the West Coast. Like oh yeah, that's the rough one. This one's we're still pretty good here. Right on. Well I look forward to uh watching a little golf this weekend and it's uh it's just about time we make that full transition with just one football game left. So it's just about full time golf go for me, Skeeter. So I'm looking forward to it and uh best of luck this week. Hopefully, I had a horrible week last week with all those Molinari shares. Mm-hmm. I certainly hope to do a little better. I wish you the best of luck this week, too, my all friend. All I need it has not been a good start to the 2020 golf year, but, you know, now that we're starting to get some information, maybe some players, maybe we'll, maybe, maybe we'll start turning things around. Indeed. So good luck, everybody. Really appreciate you all tuning in listening to us. It is the Fantastics My Fantasy Fix DFS Golf Podcast. This is for the Farmers Insurance Open. We wish you all the best of luck, and we'll see you again next week.